Patrick, 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 change my life. Okay, I got a way to change your life, change your behavior. Hello, and thank you for joining us at the Philosopher's Quest podcast. Patrick and I have been challenging ourselves and adventuring on a lifelong journey for the past 12 years on a quest to better ourselves and pursue capital T truth. So join us and learn how you can transmute your reality and with us build a better future. Welcome back. So, Patrick, what is our topic today? So, today we're going to talk about habit formation. Okay. Hmm. Habit formation sounds tricky. It can be. So, habit formation entails both building habits and breaking habits. So, we're going to talk about both how to build a habit and how to break a habit. Okay. So, the important thing to know when when assessing a habit is there's four key elements. And this goes down to basically behavioral psychology. Hmm. You have the cue, that is what's stimulating you to, to act. Okay, hmm. you have the craving, which is what inside of you are you longing for that makes you want to act. Then you have the response, how, what is it that you do in that moment? And then you have the reward. Um, how immediately in that moment are you getting rewards for that? There's, of course, primary rewards, secondary rewards, tertiary rewards, mm-hmm. and, and so on. Um, but the reward system that we're talking about here should be the primary reward. If you really want to build strong, effective habits, they should be in the moment that you get a reward, within seconds, within 30 seconds or less. Um, so let's kind of talk about that. For, for first. So uh, a perfect example could be eating. Okay? okay. So let's say I for a long time had a craving for ice cream. And I'd go into the kitchen and there were buckets of ice cream in the freezer, right? So the first thing is is what was the what was the cue there? Could be the kitchen mm-hmm. that I've that I've associated with eating ice cream. <clears throat> could be the freezer, could be the fr- could be the fridge itself, um, you know. Then what is my craving? My craving is, of course, ordering that ice cream. It's the it's the um, stimulation of the sweetness of the ice cream, the savoriness, um, you know, all of that creaminess. Um, so then, what's my response? I get out a bucket of ice cream and I start to eat it mm. mindlessly. What's the reward? Uh, I have deep, deep satisfaction in what I'm doing. Maybe even I have regret afterwards. But there's still that, that satisfaction in the moment pulls me in, you know? So if you look at each spot, the, the cue, craving, response, reward, every single one of those things can be altered. And usually when we think about forming habits, we only focus on the response. And therefore we cut off the other three main aspects to help us. So how could we change that habit of eating ice cream? This is a bad habit. How can we cut that? Well, the first thing we'd want to do um, is we want to make sure that it's not around. Okay? If it's not around, if we can't see it, the craving is not going to be very, very good. Mm-hmm. And the, the next part is, well, then how do we help our, our craving? Well, we make it seem as though it's not that 
appetizing, mm. right? It's not, it's not that great. Um, and so we think about how afterwards we meditate whenever we have the craving, we think about how afterwards we get a stomach ache, you know? We think about how we've been gaining weight and we reflect upon that mm-hmm. or we associate it with that. Or, um, you know, there's any number of ways to do that. Um, and you can just keep going on and on. And so what this breaks down to is if you have the cue, craving, response, reward, basically what you want to do is if it's, a, if it's something you want to do, let's say it's meditate, okay, um, you want to make it. So if you want to form a good habit, let's go through each one of them. Cue, craving, response, reward. So for cue, you want it to be obvious. For craving, you want it to be attractive. For response, you want it to be easy. And for rewards, you want it to be satisfying, okay? So let's look at both, all of those. So if it's for meditating, you want it to be obvious. What does that mean? Well, you want it to be, you want to make a location where you meditate every single day. You want it to be at a certain time every single day. You want to be, you want to have it so that it's, it's when, when it's time to meditate, you know it. And there's no hidden, there's no hidden agenda, there's nothing there. It's just, it's, it's so blatantly obvious that you have to do it, mm-hmm. right? And so the cue, the cue couldn't be more clear. Then the next thing is, is you have to make it attractive. So that means, and so when you think about meditating, you think about sages. Think about reaching more towards an enlightened state. Think about um, being more connected with the earth. Think about how you are at peace whenever you meditate. Think, think about those things. Um, for... For um, response, here's what's interesting, is that most of the time when we build habits, we have sort of a sense of pride, which could be good, can be bad. We have a sense of pride, and the pride makes us want to make the habit challenging. But that's exactly what you shouldn't do. The, the, the habit itself is only the first one to two minutes of any activity. After that, you're just kind of steaming along, mm-hmm. and it's no longer a habit. So the first, it's really only the first two minutes. And so for that reason, uh, if it's meditating, you just sit down for a couple of minutes. Maybe you don't even meditate mm-hmm. for the first couple of weeks. You just sit down where you're going to meditate and you do that. What does that do? The hardest part of habit formation often is the entrance. So just getting there. You know, if it's going to the gym, it's uh, instead of going to the gym and working out, it's just going to the gym for a couple of weeks, getting there, looking around, and then leaving. You know, so you're just getting used to being at the gym. Um, and, that, and that kind of alters your identity. And then the last one um, is you want to make it satisfying. So mm-hmm. after you're done meditating, you want to be able to really feel in that moment the sense of peace, the sense of serenity. You want to feel more connected to the world uh, and all those things. But the greatest way to be able to lock a habit in, the greatest reward that you could possibly have is for the behavior to be linked to your identity. That is the greatest one. That is an immediate feedback. For instance, if you see yourself as a spiritual person Mm -hmm. or a meditator or somebody that's peaceful and when you meditate, that reinforces that identity, that is an immediate reward that is extremely satisfying. Now, do I consciously think to then reinforce that identity or is that a result of that identity-based relationship? Both. Yeah. Okay. So you should be, I think you should be thinking it intentional and you know, maybe it's a, um, a manifestation, maybe it's whatever it is and, and be like, I'm a man, I, I am somebody who 
meditates. I'm somebody who sits and I, and I love to spend time yeah. so in solitude. So for instance, to, to give the audience a little bit of a feel, so I'm a very active person, but I'm also very thoughtful and sage-like person a lot of the time. Um, but meditating in me just don't naturally jive right off the bat because whenever I'm meditating, I'm always like, I always think about work or uh, better to say about that is what prevents me from even starting the meditation time is work and cutting that out. I've heard Tim Ferriss say that in the middle of the day is the best day uh, to meditate. Do you have a recommendation based on that's different or similar uh, that you've seen either benefit yourself or based on what you've read a recommended time to meditate? I've never heard meditate in the middle of the day. Um, so that's interesting. I always hear the best time to do it is when you wake up or right before you go to sleep. I've heard that too. Yeah. So uh, that's when I do it. I do a short period of time. Right now I'm doing five to ten minutes. I try to hit ten minutes of meditation in the morning, ten minutes of meditation at night. Because um, I'm just kind of building up the habit. You know, mm. it's just something, again, where I'm trying to hit something short. Yeah. I think that that's the best time. I like to do it at those times because I find mornings and night times to be a quiet and peaceful place. Mm. And usually during morning or nighttime, I'm usually wasting my time anyways. When I initially wake up, it's usually, uh, from not doing that, I'm spending time on like TikTok or just kind of wasting my time anyways. Um, so it, it works out really well. Um, and it, <clears throat> the good thing is, is with these things is that it tends to lock in um, when you have other habits. So for instance, for me, I... Wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I try to. Some days I sleep until 6. But I wake until 5 o'clock. And what motivates me to wake, in, wake up at 5 o'clock is to have that time to meditate and to have that, okay? But at the same time, you know, if I wasn't waking up at 5, I wouldn't meditate. So they, they're working together. So the reason I'm waking up at 5 is because I meditate. And the reason I meditate is because I wake up at 5. And so it, it turns out that that's true with a lot of habits. Interesting. You end up... You end up uh, they end up cascading because you start one thing, then you start a whole list of other ones. These are called keystone habits, um, such as reading. When you start to read a lot, you all of a sudden all these other areas start to improve in your life. When you start to exercise, uh, a lot of things start to get better. You know, your diet might get better. Mm-hmm. You know, and so everything is interconnected in that way. Um, I have found, but yeah, well, so that going, makes sense. They're all revolving around you as a person a human being experiencing and bettering one's life so it makes sense that they're they're all interconnected Um, and not even abstractly but you know we're even the process of I would guess committing to an activity over a period of time that's as I understand neurology that's just constantly repeating the same track uh, within the brain that then creates a more substantial pathway, I guess I would say, to that activity. Does that yeah, make sense? So I can definitely see that no matter what, you're still activating that process and creating that, that resonance of sure. uh, habit after habit, you're still strengthening your ability to make habits. Um, eventually we'll talk about skill making. I know we wanted to do that in the early and then all of a sudden the, the podcast got too long and we didn't talk about it too much, but I think about the same thing when it comes to skills as well, that the process of learning one skill opens up the ability to learn many. And in the same way, uh, 
teaching yourself how to develop a habit and follow the through and know that process well of creating a habit, I can only imagine it makes um, each next mountaintop just marginally easier. Yeah, and in, in a way, I had a friend in high school that was a multi-instrumentalist, you know, Danny Dwyer. Mm. And uh, so he's really, really good at music, wrote a lot of music, and I talked to him about how, how the hell he played so many instruments, and he told me that each instrument you learn after the first one becomes easier and easier because it's, you get the theory, and then it's just about the practice of the uniqueness of that one instrument. And I think that that also correlates to what we're talking about. Exactly. Your habits, we're talking about skills. They're all actually sort of the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just from a different angle, mm-hmm. right? Habit is the actual doing it. You know, the skill is the development of it, you know, mm-hmm. as you form the habit, you know, and the instrument is just a per, uh, an example of that skill set. So I think an important thing to keep in mind when you're building a habit is to be very intentional about the space that you're creating and what different things within your space so what signify. Space? Okay, so for instance, this is already, you're already doing this. The space at your desk primarily is for working, mm-hmm. right? It's a creative zone. It's for when you're in, it's when you're, when you're in work mode, mode, you know, for the most part, okay? While, let's say, you talked about this on the other podcast, how your bed should be a place of just rest, but you yeah. also watch Netflix. So that's a perfect example of something where you, you create this sacred spot where it's just for this. You know, for me, it's, there's a spot, and it could be like a, a couple, like a foot, a foot in diameter space that whenever I'm sitting in, I know. Uh, there's a space right in front of my window. I, I'm on the second story, oh, and I look wow. out my big window, and I know that space is where I meditate every morning. You know, then when I sit on the couch after I'm done meditating, I know, okay, this is where I do my gratefulness uh, journaling, you know? And so that's, that's where that is, you know? In the kitchen, okay, I get into the kitchen, that's where I'm gonna be cooking breakfast, I'm gonna be making tea for Kayla, you know, my girlfriend. Um, so it's all these spaces signify something. When I go to the bathroom and I'm in front of the mirror, okay, that's my morning routine. And so what that means is that we, are as, as we're animals, you know, and we correlate a specific space to doing something really deeply. The problem is, is that people oftentimes are not exactly intentional about their space and they'll end up doing multiple things that are contradictory in the same space. Yeah. Um, and it, it creates a conflict of interest in terms of habits. Um, and it's okay if you have maybe some, you know, a habit that's, maybe more pleasurable but maybe isn't as helpful for your life but you're just you just like doing it but if you're if you're integrating that in the same kind of environment as you do everything else and you don't have something to distinguish it then you know it's not helpful for instance if for me uh, and I think time matters here too in terms of the space so like if I go into the kitchen in the morning it's all about eating healthy it's about making you know shakes it's about making uh, oatmeal or whatever, and I'm, and I'm doing all these things, and I'm, you know, and I'm making them for myself. I'm also making them for my girlfriend again. But if I go in at night, it's about um, ultimately just fulfilling this extreme uh, cravings that mm-hmm. I have at nighttime. And so then the kitchen just becomes a place of binging, mm-hmm. but it's only at a certain time. So, so having a, mm. ha- being intentional about, okay, what are the habits that I want to create? You know, you're kind of, you're kind of like the engineer, the scientist, the 
the uh, you know whatever it is uh, about deciding how am I gonna how am I gonna form this maybe it's reading every day you pick a spot where it's like okay every day when I'm sitting on the couch this spot in the couch this time of the day I'm gonna be reading you know and so you you do that every single day and that spot becomes so deeply entrenched that whenever you see it entrenched in your mind that whenever you see it it's like wow I'm gonna med- I'm gonna go read I'm gonna read right now so um, that's really helpful. Mm. Yeah, that has been makes really, a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So the way that I think about it is whenever I have a new habit that I want to form is I, I go through and I think cue craving response reward. So let's go through that one more time. So it's yeah. cue is you want to make it obvious. So you want to make it obvious. That's about creating. So the physical space is making it obvious. Um, then the next part is you want to make it attractive. You want to make it so that it seems really appealing to you. Um, for response, you want to make it easy. And that's really important. Make it easy. Don't make it challenging on yourself. And the last part is reward. Make it satisfying. So if you want to break a habit, it's just about doing the opposite. It's about doing the exact anti- antithesis of whatever the other one was. So if, it's, if, the, if you, for Q, you wanted to make it obvious before, you want to make it completely unobvious. So if you have a habit of, of watching Netflix before you go to bed, you just make it, and it sounds crazy, but if you just put your laptop maybe on the other side of the room or outside the room, um, that can have a profound effect on our behavior. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it, it drives me crazy. It's, so I've, I've started to leave my computer in my office. That's one thing that helps. But then <clears throat> there's the magic of... Uh, cellular devices and uh, to try to fix that I put my charging cable on the opposite side of my room Um, instead of so now I have broken the habit of every single day of my life I have always fallen asleep with my phone charging and so I have never had the experience of my phone dying on me Um, that's a hyperbole but that's you know I do that because it's typically right next to my nightstand Um, so now that it's on the opposite side of the room I find myself still falling asleep with phone in hand watching Hulu or Netflix. Uh, but now your phone's dead. But now my phone is either, best case scenario, 5%, so I can throw it in something at the end of the day. But overall, it's like I'm not starting in go mode. I'm starting in zombie wake-up mode. And figuring out anything that I can do to turn my bed into a springboard when I wake up in the middle of the day is definitely a high priority for me because how you start your day uh, a lot of the time um, distinguishes how much energy you're going to have throughout the rest of the day. Okay, so let's go through with that. Let's, let's talk about for you how you can make your bed because there's two, there's two sides of this. The neg- you want to get the negative side of yeah. Making, making so that your bed is no longer a spot where you watch television. Mm-hmm. And then you want the positive side where your bed becomes a sanctuary of relaxation mm-hmm. and, um, and, and pleasure, you know? So, you know, well, not like that. But just a time to relax. So, not that it's wrong to have your bed as a, as a place of pleasure. That's, I think that's what it's meant to be for, right? But, so, so for you, what is the... What is the cue in that response? So it's late at night. You don't have anything else to do. So you well, have free... You that's have, not necessarily true. So I always could have other things to do. Um, well, you're, well, you're winding down for bed, mm-hmm. right? So it's a wind down. That's what it is. Yeah. 
and it's but it's I think a wind down could also be more thoughtful instead of zombaic um, and zombaic for the audience is I'm guessing a made up word that I'm using right now to describe something in a uh, zombie like way yeah um, you I don't know. Where would you start? From what you've heard right now, what a uh, where would you start? So I think what I would do. Do you use your phone as an alarm? Mm-hmm. I might get a physical alarm clock. Dude, I think that that actually throughout this conversation that could be helpful because even then it's like. My dad does this, is my dad will leave his phone a floor below his room. Um, he's done that his whole life. Uh, maybe I should start doing the same. So if I left my phone down here with my computer. Uh, yeah, then you don't have that problem. You had the physical alarm clock. Let's go with the physical alarm clock too. Is I, you, probably, you may not have this problem. I have a problem waking up when the alarm sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I do is I put the alarm on the opposite side of the room. Yeah. So I have to get up to turn it off. And my alarm is really obnoxious and loud and horrible. So it's, it's, I have to get up, you know, especially if there's other people around, yeah. you know, then I really do. So that's what works for me. That would be the first thing. So that's your cue. Um, so then, so that's, that's, that's fine. But in the moment, so you know what to do there. What about for when you have that craving? So what is it, what is it that you long for when you're looking, when yeah. you're doing that? So the wind down time is, I think I'm still trying to perfect that process. Perfect in quotation marks. Um, honestly, I think what's going to end up being best for me is right now on my calendar, I have a new watching videos, mainly like emphasis on a Hulu or a Netflix uh, after 6 p.m. I think creating that separation um, may get me in the right direction. We'll see. Uh, I have followed that since it's been on my calendar for about a week. I've probably followed that two times. That's um, pretty good. Okay, because it feels like a for a loss to me. Uh, but I, uh, the real thing I want to get to is that if I... When I am in a more self-aware state, a higher vibrational way of thinking, a higher self, um, even my wind downs, like I could go to bed reading a book, mm. you know, that's the kind of environment I want to continue to create for myself versus, because that is a productive wind down versus a um, zombieic. One. It's easy to be zombaic when you're going to sleep. But I, I really want to emphasize this point again. What is it that you're craving? Why do you do it? Well, I think the point of uh, on Netflix, right, is you, it's a complete brain turnoff. You know, it's, I don't know how much is it as a wind down as much as, you know, as long as that's on your ability to um, engage with the world is knocked back to 25%, I don't know, yeah. of, it's typical. And I think after you live a high intensity day, there's a huge appeal to just like immediately, like jet midair, pulling the eject cord and like flying out of the airplane. Like it's, it's that much of a want to just, okay, we're done. You know, you ran the race, 
you fell down, yelled for Kenya and yeah. collapsed in the grass. And that's, that's what I'm trying to get away from because I don't think that's a healthy way to end my day. I still, I think that that's good, but I still don't think that's the first cause. Okay. Okay. I think when I find that I'm watching Netflix or whatever, there's several reasons. One, at the end of the day, it's because I don't want to have time alone with my thoughts. Maybe it's an emotional thing. Yeah. Maybe it's because my mind is racing. Exactly, and, after and a whole day, and you just want to shut and off. And you just want to shut off. So the question is, is what mechanism, what other habits allow for you to kind of slowly go, you know, move away from that? What I find is, is when I go to sleep, I like to do this thing. So there's this thing called like a body scan, um, and it's where you go through the top of your between the top of the head all the way down to your toes and you relax every single muscle. So you start and you can do and you can listen to you can listen to medica- meditations where they walk you through every single part. But that way again, you're not you're not going to be so um, I guess free throw like we are in, in normal just breathing medica- meditation. You're really grounded in relaxing every part and that helps you to one have your monkey mind mm-hmm. to focus on something so that you can feel like you're being productive, right? Because relaxing your body is a productive thing, maybe not. Two, it allows for your physiology to get, to get checked up with your head. And so they're looping up together. So your head is helping your body relax. And as your body relaxes, your body's helping your head relax. So that's a really, that can be a really helpful thing. And it's great because if you're going into the sense of, physical awareness and you're relaxing everything, it's easy to go and then start to become aware of everything. Start to become aware of um, everything around you. They said, this is a beautiful quote from Eckhart Tolle where he said, if you're aware of the space around you, you can't help but clear a space within you. You feel peace. Whatever you're- Absolutely amazing. So yeah, so if you're, and this is a wonderful thing too, is that they, they talk about Imagine the whole space around you, all of the air around you. So after you're done, you know, fi- focusing on your physical body and relaxing every single muscle all the way down, you then focus on every, all the volume. And then so you start maybe around you and you feel the air and you think about the shape of air that's around you, that's, that's encompassing you, almost like hugging you. Then you start and you slowly go out to, you know, other parts of the room until you think about the whole room. So you're thinking about you know, the country, you know, the city that you're in, the country, all of a sudden you start thinking about the universe and you think about all the space that there is in the universe and the space inside of you, all these things. And so that gives you a deep awareness and you're connected in and your mind's active. It's working at all those times. Um, And that can be a really great thing. And what's awesome about that is that after that, this is the best time in the night, they say, to be able to program messages into your head. Because once you get to that point, you've, you've now kind of put to bed the, the um, lower vibrational, you know, conscious self and you're getting into the deep vibration, higher self. So when it comes to sculpting your day, right? Um, actually, this is something I'm really passionate about, time management and calendar and orienting, uh, systematic processes, because I think it overlaps a lot with philosophy and business. And so the same things of creating uh, structure for yourself exists so many other places. Uh, Right now I have, my day ends around five o'clock. And then I have this whole period of 
I would say, an hour that I call get organized and plan tomorrow's day, right? And so I should have that hour to go from 100%, quote unquote, um, to a kind of tiered back where I'm taking account of things, I'm getting myself comfortable and doing an activity that should remove any anxiety for tomorrow while also kind of, like you're saying, order, create that space. I love that quote so much creating a space around me so that I can create a space internally. After I've done that, then according to my calendar, I should be going up, creating my meal, eating, and then cleaning up. Yeah. From there, I have a section that I call spend one hour investing in yourself. And that's a different activity every single day to spend one hour doing one task. And I, I use this, um, Stephen Covey is the one with the four quadrants. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of what I do to pick out anything within those. So the quadrant, the quadrant two is what you're focusing on. Yeah, because it's three urgent but not important. Urgent but not important. Okay, so yeah, so then it would be those two things that are either business or personal related that can just really amplify the productivity of everything you're doing every day in one. Sure. Um, so I have an hour dedicated to that. And then I have what I call de- decompress, reflect, and sleep time. Do you do all those things? <sighs> For me, mm-hmm. typically, what will happen is that from around 5 o'clock all the way to 10 o'clock. So what I just described was five o'clock starting with get organized sure. all the way to at the end of decompress, reflect, and sleep. I should be falling asleep around nine. Um, yeah. Again, old man zone. That's about me too. Yeah. So the issue is that as soon as five o'clock hits, um, my day goes off the rails because I'll do things like I'll throw up Netflix on my second second screen. I will or throw in some music. I will get lost in my phone, or just overall, the day goes from either being productive to like a half productive half, you know, but I'll still be working. I do, I have that out. problem at work too. And then it's just like, and then all of a sudden, I'll take that energy into the rest of my evening with like, think of a train on rails that's just mm-hmm. spinning, and there's just no order to it anymore. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the night, I'm in bed, I feel like I didn't spend any time recovering energy. Okay. Here's what I would say. Mm -hmm. I think it's easy because you're a big picture person and you do, you do a lot and you, and you focus on a lot of things at once usually. And you're, and you're just a powerhouse when it comes to habit formation, you need to go to the opposite extreme. Okay. So the opposite extreme of that is again, we want to make it easy. That's mm-hmm. part of the, for the response. So the question is, is how do you make it easy? Well, first of all, you don't focus on your whole mind. You focus on a minute to two minutes. So you figure out what is the point at which I start to watch Netflix. So for a minute to two minutes, you just become aware of it. Mm-hmm. And you just start to focus on those, the craving of wanting to watch Netflix. And you focus on nothing else, you know? So that may entail it's at some point, Letting yourself watch Netflix and watching it transpire. Watching but yourself watch it. Watch it, yeah. But at the end of the day, it should be you're just focusing on 
a single minute to a single two minutes because that's where one, productivity lies, and two, that's also where your momentum lies. Mm -hmm. So it's once you get started. That's what, that's what I would say. So start off, at, and maybe it's at a specific time. Figure out what the trigger is. So that's what it is. What is the, what is the cue that tells you it's time to start watching Netflix? Mm -hmm. Okay? So now, whatever that cue is, make it not so obvious. You know, or make it, you know, make it so that you yeah, don't have that cue. You're, then, you're doling the... Interesting. This is so smart, Patrick. Huh? Yeah. So then, um, then the next thing is, is whenever you're seeing it, make it unattractive. Whenever you think about watching Netflix, think about how much productivity you're losing and how it's better, it's better to spend 15 to 20 minutes now completely focused and then take a, take a walk in the park for an hour than it would be to spend the whole hour, hour and 20 minutes trying to work and watch Netflix at the same time. Whatever yeah. it is for you, whatever the productivity skew is for you, and keep reminding yourself. Um, you know, so, so you wanna make it um, unattractive to do that. Then also you wanna make it difficult. Maybe it's, again, maybe it's blocking Netflix. Maybe it's um, whatever it is for you that Setting will Setting my TV on fire? I'm open to anything, really. What it, whatever it is, maybe it's changing could be crazy changing your, the Netflix password so you can't get on there. Whatever it is so that... Uh, hey, again, hey, mom, I got a really interesting request for you. <laughs> whatever it is, but whatever makes it difficult, do yeah. it. And then, I, I think that's, that's great. There's definitely a lot here that I can yeah. take and apply. And then the last thing is, is make it, again, unsatisfying. How can you make it so that whenever you're watching Netflix... There's something in your mind that's telling you, okay, this is this isn't good. Maybe it's a sense of just awareness, and you're like, oh, I'm just being a couch potato here, or you know, maybe it's a dis See, whatever it is. You know me, I tend to make things too satisfying, so that's, that's this true. is this is good as well. All right, wow, Patrick. Okay, so what what else can we? Um, I know unpack. you you are you know the the show notes monster. What else do we have to unpack for the audience here? I think the other thing. This is something that I have I struggle with. And what I struggle with personally is that I'm a little too zealous and I want to do too many things at once. Once I start really focusing on habits, I want to do like five to seven habits. That doesn't work ever. It never works. Does it, it's, it's almost like you're metaphysically removing all the air from the room so that everything, nothing, no fire can no exist. No fire can exist, exactly. Yeah. So what you have to do, again, this is part of making it easy. You have to focus on a single habit at a time. Habits take 20 days to really set in. Hmm. But I think it's like 180 days to be locked oh, in. Oh my gosh. To really be, but that's like if it's really locked in, you can't. You're no, not gonna... but I've also, um, I think we were talking about this earlier of uh, don't mow the same grass twice. Um, and I'm sorry exactly. if I'm jumping, jumping ahead. No, this, this is, no, that's a good point. It's yeah. this, this comes up. And, and how. Um, specifically, so I'll let you, you're going to do a better job than me explaining that specific analogy. But what I love specifically here is, um, think about your bad habits and then every time you let a bad habit continue, you're a day further into habit debt. And that, that concept to me, and I don't know if you used habit debt. I, I think that's, that, that is not my uh, investor little tweak no, to it's that. Good. But it's, that's how I feel about it now, yeah. which is why it's like, I am having more conversations with you about it. I'm starting to dip my toe around into what that would look like. 
built and building structure for me. I'm trying to kind of move myself to have the energy to then start executing on that. So I definitely see that there's this huge need, right? Yeah. So could you explain the, the mowing your, your I'm lawn? I'm going to focus on two things. Okay. So the first one is that don't mow the, the, the same grass twice. And basically what that means is, is if somebody gives you advice, mm-hmm. then you just focus on that one thing and you make sure that that never happens again. Yeah. So that's a crazy, that's a crazy reality. If somebody told you never be late, you know, you're late to a meeting, never be late again. And you then are never late. And every single time somebody gives you a piece of advice, you never do it. That's a, you're a super person at that point. But the, the, the movement that Rob is talking about in terms of investment, a habit is an investment. And so what do we know about investments? Mm -hmm. Investments do not have linear growth. Investments have oftentimes exponential growth, Mm -hmm. which means that a small investment over a long duration of time consistently can have crazy high results. So if you're sitting, and again, it may not seem like a bunch, but you write down three things you're grateful for every single morning, all of a sudden you find that you're a more positive person. Mm -hmm. You're more grateful. You're happier. You're excited. You're enthusiastic. All these things are happening because you're doing this small investment over a long period of time. And that's what we wanna focus on. When it comes to an investment, it may not seem like a big deal at the beginning, Mm -hmm. but we want to keep doing that. So that's kind of the the power of a habit lies in in its ability to, again, every single time compound Mm -hmm. and, and exponentially compound. Wow, okay. So think about that, and that's scary in terms mm-hmm. of the Netflix, okay? Yeah, the because implications if you think of about Netflix this, are bad now. Oh my gosh, because it started with Netflix, but then I was, uh, so the audience doesn't know this about me yet, but uh, growing up, I was a, uh, a video game addict. It's very hard for me to talk about. No, um, so I would, I, would, I would binge video games, and when I would binge video games, I would also... Uh, I would go into what I think I would call now stimulus overload. So I would have my monitor up with my video game, probably Skyrim or Dark Souls. And uh, then I would have another screen playing YouTube. And I would go large series. So 40-minute Let's Plays or different things that are just about either topics or shows I'm watching. I was a big fan of like Rooster Teeth. Uh, comedy stuff. So I would have that. I would have the video game. Music was sometimes playing. You get all your all I, your senses. Yeah, I think I play the nachos while you're doing that. Yeah. So it's like I and so no, it was in my childhood bedroom, so I was never allowed to bring food up there. Gives you an intake to my childhood, everybody. But uh, um, and then maybe there is even sometimes a, a third monitor. It's just like this this zone of stimuli that I think creates a more drone like behavior, right? And so then I did this horrible thing. Uh, I took that kind of infrastructure and I took it into how I work sometimes. And so it's like I'll have this zone of stimuli that is amazing for busy work. It yeah. is so amazing. It's oh, like it you, is, yeah. You can take an entire – but here's the thing. That's the kind of busy work that you're sitting at your desk. It is not the kind of busy work of like – if you can look around the studio, you could see probably 20 things that I could do to just get things in a better place, yeah. make things more efficient, uh, set myself up for more business, etc. that 
the busy work of getting glued into a super battle station does. You you miss out on all you the stuff. You know why you do there, that? I do as the well as all thing. the super high level creative stuff that takes you tapped into more of a, a meditative mind than anything else. But yeah. keep jump in. Yeah, so the reason why you do that, and I do the exact same thing. Um, I listen to audiobooks while I work. Yeah. Uh, and I just I just love doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why you do it is because like me your mind races mm-hmm. and you're thinking so much. So it, there's, a, there's something that is satiating and nice about having something to focus most of your attention on and then so that the busy work doesn't become so crazy, you don't have to think so much. Sometimes I feel like I, I'm thinking so deeply about something that's, that's simple that it slows me down. Do you think that the, uh, a, more, an, a consequence that isn't as close to the system but is a result of it is at the end of the night um, turning off and not having something occupying my thoughts like Shark Tank playing in, in front of me and me doing the math on the valuations and analyzing investors and such. Yeah. Uh, that's like not having that because I set myself to go into hyper-stimulation mode to not be able to have just dedicated focus time. Do you think that's why when I turn the phone off, it gets really difficult because now I'm just like alone with racing thoughts. I think that's part of it. I want to move on to something within the video games, why video games are helpful. Video games are helpful because they are masterful in doing one specific thing. Mm -hmm. It's called a micro loop. A micro loop is when you have a behavior and immediately after the behavior is done, you have a reward. Oh yeah. So they're, they're completely behavior reward, behavior reward, behavior reward in a way that's so stimulating. It's like a drug. It just can't, yeah. Yeah. So it can't be done. And so the question is, is maybe, maybe, maybe when you're watching TV, maybe when you're doing that, you have a micro loop the whole time. It's like, boom, 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 boom. You know, you, you, you're, you're doing a behavior reward. They're giving you a number, you're calculating it. And so your brain is just exploding with pleasure, right? Uh, because it's like every single time there's a reward when you're not doing that, there's no micro loop. You know, there isn't there, and especially the micro loop goes by so slowly, you know? So the question is, is how can you, in times of relaxation, rest, you can down, downshifting, which is an important part of what we talked about in our last episode, longevity. How can you, how can you trigger that? How can you make it? And this is again, this is a game now for you. The game is, is how can you make a micro loop for yourself every single time? How can you make it so that you already have my brain racing okay so i think i have some fun with this you just unlocked some of the things for me um thinking about because uh ever since i moved into this new business i have not played a single eh, i played some phone stuff but uh my xbox everything has been put away because i'm in this such this intentional mode in my life and so uh but i have seen we've talked about it i've talked about it with other people how gamification can be so powerful especially for people who were in the video game generation um this is really fascinating so let's let's look here so uh, if i see that the hulu watching shark tank that's taking up too much of my i don't have the neurology of the brain sorted so forgive me because i'm just going to say things sure audience they're probably going to be wrong so like that front brain space where you're yeah. like really prefrontal cortex you're invested you're thinking about it right yeah. i want to shift that to something else like reading or maybe designing a portfolio for myself to uh looking at uh, you know in a year if once COVID clears 
uh, what a trip to Scotland would look like for myself. Yeah. What, you know, what are things that I want? And like actually going through that because I'm, I'm this old freaking sage that can yeah. give all my friends these great answers. But sometimes I can get to points in myself where it's, I'm so into this mindset of my philosophy creates my execution sure. that I'm not looking at everything else that could be available to me. Things that I would love to do and be. So you're talking learn. about researching. It, research, in, I just call it investing. And so getting, removing Netflix or Hulu from that time is so important to me. And so you have me thinking that this is where something like maybe instrumental music could be really helpful because it could create an environment for me where that back head space is occupied without taking up my main focus frontal yeah. approach. Yeah, so I would say here, I would say two parts. One of the things that I've been doing recently is again, I've been really w working on manifesting and, what I, and law of attraction type stuff. And so what I'll do is I'll tell myself constantly, and I say it in the present tense like it already is, I'm not the kind of person that watches Netflix. Mm -hmm. And I'll say that so I can see myself. And oh. I see myself shutting it off every single time. So like whenever it's in the moment, for me it's, I don't, I don't scroll through social media oh, mindlessly. I'm very intentional when I scroll, scroll I through it. I think I, I subconsciously did the same thing about playing video games. That's why I haven't pulled video games out of a You chest. detached it from your identity. Exactly. So and I could do the same thing You here. could do the same thing there. And so I do that. And then on the opposite end, I tell myself on the, on the positive end, I'm the kind of person that loves investing into myself. I love researching about going to Scotland. I see myself going to Scotland, you know, so you see it all the time. You see every aspect. You start to see yourself researching. You start to see yourself traveling. You start to see that. And as you're going to Scotland, you see more and more that Netflix is not a part of that, you know, and that that's getting in the way. And so more and more you just tell yourself, I'm a traveler. I'm a traveler. I'm traveling. Or you say, I've traveled to Scotland. It was wonderful. I did all these things. Here's how I did it. You know, and so you start to explain to yourself all those. And that aligns again. Here's the ultimate reward there. Back to what we were talking about before. Identity. So once that's what manifesting is. Is once you lock in what your identity is to the thing, the subconscious mind doesn't really care what you're telling it. But once it locks in and you say, do this. I am this. It says, okay, I'll do it. I'm the kind of person that watches Netflix, okay? Watch Netflix. You know, that doesn't even have to be so, you know, us being absolute monsters uh, take things to extremes. But I can literally just do, um, I am not the kind of person to watch uh, more than 20 minutes of yeah. uh, Hulu on a weekday. That's just exactly. not, that's I not don't, who I am. Yeah, I don't watch it while I'm working. Yeah. I, ne I never watch it. And don't. And here's the thing, is that when you're manifesting, it's important not to be in a state of greediness, not to be in a state of insecurity, but to be instead in the state of, of, of gratitude. Yeah. To say instead, I'm so grateful that I got the opportunity to give, right? <laughs> and who you're actually giving to is yourself. Yes. Oh my gosh, I love this. There's definitely an as above, so below workout here. So you can this take it so to a, such great. a huge philosophical oh my level. Oh gosh, because you know? it collapses in on itself and just folds, 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 and it becomes a very strong principle here, Patrick. This is fantastic. Okay. Wow. The day is about to be seized so hard after this podcast. It is going to be the hardest day that was ever seized. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Thank you so much. This yeah. has been... Okay, so I don't want to detract in my emoting, but what, what else can we... Is there anything okay, else? so other than that. Yeah. So you're somebody who... Don't mean it. The way you think. <laughs> but you go. like to be stimulated. Yes. You like to oh. have a stimulation. So the, the key is, is whenever you're doing anything... You want to make sure that you're on kind of the brink, kind of on the brink of like what you're comfortable with. You don't want to go too far to an extreme, actually, where it's like too challenging for yourself. But you want it to be just challenging enough for yourself so that you're, so that you're constantly pushing yourself. You're like, I don't quite know this. I don't quite understand. I can't quite do this yet. You know, because what that does is it's, again, that, that again stimulates the reward. So you... You're constantly, as you do that, it's like, um, it's, it's again a self-propelling system. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a jumping pace, right? You want to be able to the reach the next cliff in front of you, but if you are barely making it, holding on to a ledge and having to pull yourself up each time, it's not sustainable. So making sure that your uh, progress of challenge is within a, a comfortable pace because that pace is actually going to increase sustainability. Which exactly. Increases exponential growth factor down the line. Yeah. So, so I, I really like, um, there's this podcast guy. If you haven't listened to the Rich Roll podcast, you should check it out. I feel like I've heard of it before. He's really, he's a really cool dude. What's his main thing? Okay. So Rich Roll, um, he, super hard alcoholic for a long time. Okay. Um, just went head over heels into alcoholism, um, discovered it, he was a swimmer, discovered it while he was in college as a way to help his social anxiety, and it just derailed him, right? And so for a decade or two decades or whatever, he was just completely entrenched in alcohol. And then at some point, he just started uh, running and went on this plant-based diet, and he found out that he was really good at running, and so he wanted, he was just an obsessive person, an addicted person. Addictive personality, so he started doing these marathons and stuff. He started training for these marathons, and he was a swimmer. It's as a swimmer, he's burst, 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 trying to get everything done. But what he learned while he was doing marathons is that you never actually want to get your heart rate up because once you get it up, then you're in exercise mode. So when you're in marathoning, you never want to get your heart rate up because then you burn out, right? And you don't want to push yourself too hard. You don't want to push yourself too hard because then you can't exercise the next day and it ends up being a problem. And so it's kind of counterintuitive, but life is sort of a marathon in a lot of ways. So um, you want to make sure that when you're doing things, you're not getting to the point of burnout. You want to be in, in it so you don't get your heart rate too high if you're going to go for the marathon. You want to keep it at a certain level. So that's part of why you want to keep it just challenging enough. And I'm sure these principles... Uh, can be applied in a number of different areas. That's really interesting. But it's counterintuitive. Yeah, you did just kind of you lightly bloom my mind. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, what else we got? Okay, so another principle is called Prenex Principle. Prenex Principle states that uh, behaviors that are less likely to be performed can become more likely to be performed if they are paired with behaviors that are already more likely to be performed. That's kind of a mouthful, but what that means is... Yeah, I feel like you were almost touching on it earlier, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so what that means is, is if you're already more likely to, let's say, wake up early, right? And waking up early is, is and you're already doing that, and you tie that to then to something you're not likely to do, which is maybe meditation, then meditation becomes easier. Yeah, or, well, I would even say there's even a closer link. Going to bed early 
to wake up early. Exactly. Yeah. Eating, eating, um, and again, but it doesn't have to be just things that are naturally linked. They could be not linked at all. Yeah. Naturally, so you can then, but you can link it that and bring it into that. Behavior. Yeah. You can you can link it together. Maybe for you, it's studying. Studying is something that you do every single day. And then maybe part of your study cycle, you just are like, okay, my first part of my study cycle is meditating. So then meditation becomes easy because it's already locked into something that you have really set in place as a, as a stone. So that's another thing where it's like, that's why it's important. Focus one on a time, one at a time. Cause then once you lock one in, you can then lock another on to the stones that you've already set. And all of a sudden your whole day becomes a, a yeah, a rigid, like nice firm. Here again, this might be counterintuitive that I even bring that up because as you can see, that's my brain going into how big of a bite I can take versus how can I savor the smallest part of this principle? Yeah. Chew slowly. That's my principle that I'm giving everyone. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I would say, so to just to kind of wind things down, because I think now is probably a good time yeah. for, for those, I think focus on the cue, craving, response, reward, and, those, and how you're, it, when, when you want to make it positive, focus on those ways to make it positive. When you want to make it yeah, go away, focus on the ways. The micro system of initiating, starting, and nurturing yeah. a habit. Yeah, but the main takeaway that I really want you to have is when you start a habit, don't go too big and don't think all or nothing. It's not like that. The habits don't work like all or nothing. It's just starting. It's just a, a, getting an association. Um, so, and then the, the thing that I wanna challenge you to do is work towards an identity. Find the right social group and work on 1%. So again, in terms of being able to really lock in a habit, again, let me just say that one more time. You're working towards an identity for yourself. Whatever it is that you want to do, lock your identity into it and see it as part of who you are. And every single time that you do it, see it as an affirmation that that your, your thoughts are actually true and see it as a reward in that way. Surround yourself with people that are like-minded or are going to challenge you in that respect and, and make it natural for you to go ahead and start those habits and then focus on just the smallest 1% of whatever it is and, and just focus on the, on the details of that and you're gonna have huge exponential growth. Oh my gosh. Well, Patrick, thank you for walking the world through habit formation. Um, my life has been permanently changed. Thank you so much. You're so sweet. All right. The world. Well, thank you for joining us, everyone. We will be back with the next episode of the Philosopher's Quest, Philosopher's Quest. podcast.